Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have with me, as always, my co-host and friend, Grant McGalliard. Grant, some they do and some they don't, and some they just can't tell. Some they will and some they won't, and some they might as well. How are you this evening? I don't know how to respond to that. What is that from? That is uh, Goodbye Stranger by uh, Super Tramp, and uh, oh, there's just a lot going on this week in TCU football, and uh, I just felt like we needed an appropriate introduction. <laughs> so you went with Super Tramp. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Can I apologize in advance? I'm going to apologize in advance to our listeners. This is going to be by far the worst episode of this podcast ever. I don't know that I have been so emotionally just over TCU football as I have been in this exact moment. <laughs> Can I tell you, so you had the distinct disadvantage, and, and well done, by the way, on the on the solo show on Sunday. Um, it's very cathartic. You had the distinct advantage or disadvantage of having to watch TCU football this weekend. I was at a wedding mm. uh, at a beautiful vineyard in California, and the best part about that vineyard, other than the view, was that there was uh, pretty much no Wi-Fi or signal of any sort. So I did not know what was happening in the TCU game until uh, well after the reception. And really kind of just helped me enjoy my Saturday afternoon. Yeah, that's the dream. My advice about TCU football is just don't, just don't, if you don't have to at this point. Because, um, man, it's not even like the fun kind of like we suck and there's solidarity. It's just like, nope, no one's having fun here at all. <laughs> Did we, okay, we recorded a show, I think it was the Texas preview, and we and the audio got lost. And I had this whole bit about Bartleby the Scrivener, and I don't know if we redid it for the podcast, but I'm just going to say, like, when it comes to TCU football at this point, I would rather say I would prefer not to. I yeah. just, you know what? Like, I'm going to because some stupid thing compels me and we do this show, but I, I would prefer not to if I had my choice. Yeah, yeah. Just generally, um, I, in, you know, in the words of an internet meme, I am just straight not having a good time right now, bro. <laughs> Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's not fun. So you're telling me you don't enjoy putting your happiness on Twitter reports about a teenager's Instagram. Okay, can we just... <laughs> you people don't have to live like this. Grant, am I a journalist? Not professionally, no. No. Do I have sources? No. Yeah. Did it, did it take me less than 30 minutes to just ask around and be like, hey, man, has anybody seen Zach this morning? And find out that he reported and that he's just a, yeah. a, a kid that's on social media. Like, what are you people doing? So like PFF College, freaking TMZ of the... Okay, again, this is going to be a bad podcast. Sorry. PFF, PFF has access to charted data because they you know, pay people $13, they pay college undergrads $13 an hour to chart the data. So there's a whole other conversation about data quality, but they have charted data for every game. They could do so many cool data things. They could do so many cool, interesting comparison, matchup previews or whatever. And they want to be gosh dang TMZ and report on Instagram bio changes with eye emojis. One, not knowing that Zach Evans does this. This is just a thing he does. Um, it's happened twice before, once in the spring, most notably. Um, and two, just like, hey, let's stir the pot because anything we can do, Grant, anything in the entire world to not have to talk about actual football, that's that's what we want to do. That's what the attitude on the internet was today. 
Yeah. Uh, it, it almost kind of mirrors the attitude of the TCU football program, I would say. We've talked about TCU far more it, than I've wanted to so does. far. It does. We don't yes, want to talk yeah, about – We don't want to talk about football. We don't want to talk about, oh, here are the X's and O's. I'm not a scheme guy, but here, here are the results on the field. Here's what's happening. Here's what can be better. Here's what is good. It's all the ancillary stuff. And the thing about it is, Parker, it's not even the fun ancillary stuff. It's the no. It's the this kid didn't play high school football, so let's talk to him during media availability on Tuesday about how he's the starting tight end. Good lord! Yeah, the media. Can you get backstory for the listeners? Sorry. Yeah, right. So, so at um at TCU Media Days on Tuesday, I'm gonna mispronounce Yo-Yo's real last name, but um. Yo-Yo, they call him. Uh, the starting safety, Mike, I, I can't, I'm can't. i very sorry I can't pronounce his last name. I'm, I'm, I don't want to butcher it. And then Dominic Denunzio were the player um, appearances. TCU gives two player appearances each week uh, on Tuesday. They do a stand-up. As ordained by God on the Ten Commandments. Right. You can only have two players available for media availability right. on Tuesday. Yep. Here's, here's the most outside of inside baseball and in that here is how a TCU press conference works. The players come in. One of them does a spot in front of like TV cameras or anyone that's like using like a, a video camera, while the other one talks to mostly print reporters that do uh, voice recordings, and they flip. Those are the two people you get to talk to, and then Gary comes in and does a sermon on the mount for twenty minutes, and we leave. There's in, in between. There's lunch. The King Ranch casserole is very good. Um, that's it. That that's the media availability, and then you know Thursday practice. I think with Gary. There are other programs, Parker, many other programs where you have access to five, six, seven, eight players, you know, whatever, and, and it's pretty wide open. They, they take the, the the podium, if you will, like a uh, uh, you know, like like a, like a normal press conference would operate. The thing about TCU football is that not only, and here we are talking about off the field stuff again, so I, I'll make this quick. But not only is it just two players, it's very rarely two of the main players, right? So, so no offense to Yo-Yo or Dominic Denunzio or whatever, but the, the fact that we don't get Max Duggan every week or McKendrick Van Zandt or Chavis Hodges-Thompson or whoever is so unique to TCU football that it, it boggles the mind. Like, Grant, do you know who Baylor made available on their Tuesday yeah. press conference yeah. today? Yeah, who? Freaking Jerry Bohannon and Terrell Bernard, like their best offensive and defensive player. Imagine, I mean, we live in an age where literally players are getting paid for their image and likeness. Imagine promoting them. Go read Melissa's article. I don't know. I, I don't have anything else to say about that. I don't want to rant about this. Go read Melissa's article. Um, um, mo- mostly, I don't even, look, Melissa's great. We love her. Uh, mostly just because a lot of people got mad about it. <laughs> like a lot of, not not like online randos, like, yeah. Official people got mad about it, which means it's a great article. So, uh, yeah, just, just an entirely dumb situation from start to finish today on TCU uh, all around. And great, like, here's the thing. Here's all I want from a head coach. I want a head coach to go out there and say, hey, here's my offensive coordinator. He's, he's from the air raid tree. A lot of the stuff that he does requires four wide receivers. We don't have the offensive line capability right now to um, run anything other than like six or seven man protection. So we can't do everything we want to do offensively. And that's really why we're limited. And that's really frustrating. Just say it. It's true. We all know it. Just 
it's okay to admit it. And that's, that's what's mostly frustrating is like, no, instead let's talk about a walk-on who's playing, you know, this, the seventh blocker because we suck at pass blocking. Um, have you seen the movie Step Brothers? I have. Okay. So there's a scene where. I even laughed a couple times. Right. Today. Yeah. A fun filled family comedy. There's a scene where Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are interviewing and they're in the Texas interviewing for a job. You remember the scene? It's like after they get kicked out of the house. Yes. Okay, just make yes. sure. Yes, and they're like, and they're behind each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Well, well and, and the one guy's like, you know what? Like, I'm just looking for some guys to hang out with. You know, you're wearing tuxedos, kind of underplaying the whole formality of the thing. You know, I like you guys. You know, unless you're total weirdos and I don't see it. You know, let's get this thing a shot. And I think it's John C. Riley's character just like cuts a fart, and the guy's like, <laughs> it's a really long. Life. Yeah, and he goes, "Did you just?" And and, got, and I think John C. Riley's like sorry, and the guy's like, "All right, now now the tuxedos seem a little effed up," and that is the story of the Gary Patterson era. It's like you know everything was real cool. It's like you know what, man, like we'll hang out, you know whatever. And then like once you start losing to West Virginia, and you know your defense is getting shredded, it's like, all right, now this whole thing seems a little effed up, and I don't really know how to place it. Yeah, that, that's that's really what it was like. When TC was winning games, you're like, yes, it's funny that your long snapper is yeah. availability. <laughs> and now it's like, dude, what's going on here, man? It's oh, brutal. It's br- and, and um, not to, I hate yeah. navel gazing. I hate talking about – I'm not a journalist anymore. I hate talking about journalism. But, like, dude, it is so <laughs> – such a weird dynamic. Like to try to cover that program full time. I'm thankful I didn't actually wind up there. Yeah. It's so weird. In the words of a friend of the podcast, Olivia Rodrigo, um, it's brutal out here, man. Uh, is her name Olivia Rodrigo? Yes, it is. Rodriguez? Yeah, yeah. No, you I'm got it right. It's, it's Rodrigo. It's Rodrigo. Okay, yeah. that's right. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so that that in itself is annoying. And, and um, Grant, let's just um, awkwardly let's tie a bow on that we're going to do questions at the end yeah i don't, I don't, I don't let's know that. I let, about that forever let's talk about football let's talk about actual football because again that's the issue is like we want to talk about x's and o's so tcu very frustrating performance last week um they go to manhattan to face kansas state which is another team that tcu has not beaten the new coach uh, um at uh, a little bit frustrating. Kansas State is four and three on the season. That's a little bit misleading. They looked good against uh, Stanford, and um, then their quarterback Skylar Thompson was hurt against Southern Illinois, and so they struggled there. They they've won against Nevada. That Oklahoma State loss looks a lot closer than it actually was. They kind of got blown out there, but then against Oklahoma. Um, they looked really good. Iowa State, honestly, there were two drives where they gave up really big runs to Brees Hall and kind of shot themselves in the foot. That game was closer than it looked like. And then they dug a hole against Texas Tech and had a really, really nice rebound there. I think a lesser coach would have let his team spiral down 14 to nothing in Lubbock. Um, Lord knows I've, I've done worse down 14 to nothing in Lubbock. But uh, Chris Kleiman... Uh, you know, they, they, they climbed back. They've got Skyler Thompson there. They've got some pieces. And so this four and three is a little bit deceptive. Um, they're the same as TCU one and three in the conference, but they haven't played Texas yet. They have played Oklahoma state, Oklahoma and Iowa state. So I imagine they'll, they'll finish a lot better than four and than one and three in the conference, uh, just because they've got some easier teams 
down the stretch, this TCU game does feel like, um, Grant, I think we said this in our previews, which may, may I, may I um, flex for a second? Grant, our preview series was excellent, where we talked ourselves in the best case scenario for every team. Yeah. Holds up. I stand by every single word that we have said. Except for the part where, where we projected TCU to win like nine games. I think we nailed all of them. Okay, we acknowledge that we were being fans, though. But outside of TCU, I'm saying for everyone else, um, I think we did a good job of I just like, right. hey, what's the best case scenario? What are, what are, what is the key here? And um, we'll, we'll talk about both sides of the ball here. But it basically was like, hey, there's film on Deuce Vaughn. Can they get other guys the ball? Is the defense going to hold up after they lost some dudes? Do they replace dudes with guys? And how is that going to how is that going to work? So I stand by all of that. But basically, what we said in the previous grant was kind of like. Kansas State is the line, right? Uh, yeah. If you're a good team, you're ahead of Kansas State in the Big 12. And if you're a bad team, you're below Kansas State in the Big 12. And so this game for TCU season to have any semblance of redemption, this is the linchpin right here. This is either, ah, that was disappointing and things could have gone better, or the wheels are freaking coming off. I think a lot of people want to make West Virginia that game, but I think it's this Kansas State game. I, my vote is West Virginia, but yeah, no, I understand what you mean. Um, and, and the thing about it too, Parker, is... Kansas State, one of those teams where they're hard to blow out. They're hard to get blown out by. Um, Stanford, obviously, I mean, they lost 24-7. to Nevada was 38-17. But besides that, the game's been one or two scores. Even Southern Illinois kept it to a score. So I, I don't expect this game to be pretty either way. I, I think this is, like you said, sort of a linchpin where you could say, look, we went in there and scrapped it out with a, you know, a, a Kansas State team that will not give in the games. And... Uh, you know, came away with a win. Now, I, I don't know if, if TCU will, but um, they're just an interesting team. They really are the Mendoza line's too mean because Mendoza line is like you don't belong in a league if you're under it. Um, Kansas State's just more of like, the, hey, are you a? It, it, they're like a a um, zero war, right? It's like, listen, like you are perfectly yeah. league average, and and that's are you that's okay. Above replacement or not? Right, yep. and, and and so. I think they have a lot of room to grow, um, and they had to deal with uh, Skylar Thompson being out for a couple games. So, um, they're a good team. They're not bad, certainly. Um, let's do. Let's talk about them a little bit. Let's do some first principles here. So, um, Kansas State is forty second overall in EPA per play margin. They're twenty eighth on offense. They've actually been pretty okay. Their defense has been uh, a little susceptible. Seventy ninth overall. Um, before we get into EPA and breaking that down and pass and rush, they're 13th in offensive success rate, 14th in the rush. Obviously, Deuce Vaughn is excellent. Their offensive line is very experienced. They're 29th in the pass. Um, on defense, they're 82nd in success rate, 41.3%. 116th against the pass. Circle that for later. 32nd against the rush. So they're defending the rush pretty well. But the passing game is is just a disaster. EPA per pass is 102nd in the nation at 0.174. EPA per rush is 45th, which is, that's fine. Again, if their success rate is 32nd and the EPA is 45th, um, the, you know, it's like, yeah, they're being a little bit, uh, they, they've allowed some explosive runs. Most of that's probably Brees Hall breaking off a few the last uh, two weeks ago or last week. Um on offense, 29th against the pass, 45th against the rush. And uh, and so I really think that this is a team who is 
kind of balanced on offense. They, I, I think they thought they'd have a little bit more of an explosive ceiling on offense, but the defense really, really sting seems to uh, struggle. Yeah. I mean, you look at their, uh, <clears throat> look at the games they play, they give 22 points to Southern Illinois, uh, 31 to Oklahoma state while Oklahoma state was in its anemic phase, 33 to Iowa state and 24 to tech. Not great. Um, and I know points aren't everything, but but it, they just don't seem to be able to kind of create those shutdown games. Um, even with, you know, not, they don't exactly run the most up-tempo offense. Um, so it's not like they're just, you know, oh, well, there's a ton of possessions in these games. That's not really true. Um, the other thing is they kind of lack <laughs> – I was going to say they lack a standout. They do have a defender named Jalen Pickle, so that is a standout. And also Russ Yeast. Uh I think they just went to a cafeteria and recruited people. Um, he's just starting safety. But um, honestly, I think that's just what Wisconsin's been doing for well, years. Well, yeah, so. but that's that's a, that's a whole different thing. But uh, yeah, they, they just lack a playmaker on that side of the ball, and and it's costing them. I mean, um, I'm not trying to launch into the defensive preview now. Felix Anaduki is, is a good. Uh, I mean, he's got no, six sacks on the year. The man's insane. Let's see the defense. But, I think. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's do the defense because I think um, Khalid Duke has been the edge guy that kind of all of this has 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 rested on because they had Wyatt Hubert last year who was so good and so disruptive and they they knew they were going to lose him and they thought hey maybe Khalid Duke is going to be that guy he's had some injury issues I honestly haven't looked I don't know that he's going to be good to go this weekend um, but he's an edge rusher who's who's been pretty disruptive but not as disruptive as Hubert. And so again, like TCU, it kind of starts up front that they just had some issues. Um, yeah, but o- overall, I mean, he has you know he he only has five total pressures in thirty nine pass rush snaps. So like yeah. he's been limited with injury. But, but and a DK still that role. I mean, he's got twenty two total pressures, six sacks, fourteen hurries. Um, and so like. They're, they're, they they have an edge rusher who's a guy, but he's not a Wyatt Hubert dude. He's not like a sure. change your entire offense to get in this guy. Um, what I'm really interested in mostly with them is just do they have a guy, Grant, do they have a guy who can match up one-on-one with Quentin Johnson? I don't think they do. Um, you look at their corners, you know, not a whole lot of success there. Ju- Julius Brintz has played the most snaps at corner, and, and Eco uh, Boyedo right behind him. Boyedo has not had exactly the best season, we'll say. Um, both those guys are allowing a, a catch rate over 60% uh, and, and over 10 yards uh, per reception. So, yeah, they don't have a shutdown corner at all. Um, and, and that's something that I guess TCU could exploit. And, and the thing about it is, too, they don't have safeties that can necessarily help over the top. I mean, Yeast has been, I mean, the best coverage guy, um, but but he's retarded sixteen times still and a lot of eleven catches. I mean, it's not exactly like he's shutting anybody down either. So um, he's he's mostly their slot. Uh, you know, when he does line up in man coverage, he's their slot guy. That's kind of kind of a nickel safety. So um, they don't have anyone over the top that's going to really make a play either. Yeah, the the two corners there, I'm actually pretty unimpressed with. Um, I thought I thought uh, EBD would be um, a guy. I think maybe okay, so maybe we flexed. I think we talked about him in the preseason as like being a, a really good corner, and he has been super underwhelming. Yeah, he's been 
uh, I mean, he, I just like the guys who played the most snaps at, at corner here. So, but I mean, he's, he's been targeted 15 times. Um, he's allowing 13 yards per reception. He's probably going to be on Quentin Johnson. And Grant, I feel like, again, my entire life with TCU football, is just repeating myself, but like, is TCU going to have a reliable second option in the passing game? Because they're probably going to double Quentin Johnston after what West Virginia did last week. And so thinking about that, it's like, yes, I, I would love for there to be a world where TCU designs an offense that says, hey, EBD and a safety are going to take Quentin Johnston and we're going to go after Julius Brent's ass. Like yeah. we're going to yeah. ruin his day make his life hell. Savion or Quincy Brown or Tay Barber or whoever. I just don't know that TCU is thinking like that at all. They haven't shown any evidence that they are. Um, they have sort of a route one type system where if, if Quentin's covered or you know Max is under pressure and there's no time to go to a deep route, whatever, there's no second option, third option. There's no backup plan or outlet outside of you know kind of dumping it to uh, Evans or Miller or whoever uh, yeah. on a swing route. So, which, which, let me tell you, the check down to Zach Evans is very effective. I'm, I'm fine with pro. it. Yeah. Check down Listen, I'm all um, for it. But last week, Grant, I, I did this on the monologue, so I won't go into this. But they on the goal line, TCU ran nine man protection and ran a fade to Quentin Johnston, and so there were ten guys in the box, and it was just like a one on one throw. And I was like, okay, one, this is immensely stupid. Two, this is basically the entire offense for TCU because everyone else uh, is just like around it, 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 and there's it, not really a second option. It's like they just went away with all the disguises of having other receivers run routes. But no, we're just going to do it now. We don't care. It's, it's just like, look, everyone's tired. We're just going <laughs> to hang out. Yeah. So if TCU can get a second option, I think that Kansas state's defensive backs will be good. It's, it's good that, um, uh, Khalid is out because I do think that with Khalid, this would be like a ridiculous pass rush. And right now it's like, this is pretty fierce. And so with, you know, six man protection, TCU should feasibly be able to do all right. Um, but I, I, I do really feel like they, they could exploit Brent, um, if they had a legitimate second option. Yeah, I agree. It, Me shit talking a uh, college player. Right, sorry. <laughs> right. No, I listen. It's okay. The, the one thing that worries me is that I think Andrew DK has as an opportunity to, um, like, actually make a lot of waves up front, with, especially with TCU's current pass blocking scheme and arrangement. Yeah, yeah well, to be um, fair, I think you'd have two and a half sacks versus this. Hey, man i i played I played linebacker for two snaps in a, in eighth grade. I actually made a tackle. So. You know, many many people him. have called Grant the Jalen Petrie of the 2007 Bay City Panthers. We were the Panthers in junior high, but yes, yeah, that's correct. Oh, okay. You got to graduate. You can't look now, nah, man. You got to graduate to be a black guy. <laughs> um, yeah, this this defense is is interesting. One one thing they're really bad at is quality possession rate. So like they're letting people get either a big play or a first down across the forty. Grant, but so they're 116th in that 60.7 percent of drives our quality possession, but they're 27th in points per quality possession. So they're locking it down 3.68. And so that right there, like more often teams are scoring uh, field goals and touchdowns when they get one of those quality possessions. Um, And so I, I think that that is something that TCU could exploit because TCU 29th in echo rate, like they're very good at getting quality possessions last week against West Virginia. They squandered a couple scoring opportunities with either, 
going for a field goal or um, not not scoring, throwing an interception, whatever. The other thing that, that that's really interesting to me, early down ZPA, first and second down, TC was 10th. Kansas State's defense is 70th. And then on, on third and fourth downs, TC was 5th, 53.9% conversion rate. Kansas State 112th. So, I, I mean, Grant, I again, I'm saying the same thing I've always said. If TCU can take shots on first and second down and be aggressive, they're going to be able to clean up with Evans in the run game on third down. And it would be really nice to see them understand kind of that dynamic of like Kansas, is third, Kansas State's third down defense is really bad. Why don't we be aggressive on, on first and second downs? That was the problem against West Virginia is TCU either – got penalties that turned a first and 10 to a first and 15, or they ended up turning around and getting, uh, you know, calling a, a screen to a, a behind the line screen to Blair Conright on second and 10 that, you know, just, just set them behind. So if TZ could be aggressive on early downs, um, knowing they'll clean up on third and fourth downs, I think that they should be able to move the ball pretty decently. And that's what the model, we'll talk about the exact projection later, but like, that's what my model really rewards. TCU, 8th in EPA per pass, 14th in EPA per rush. Kansas State, 102nd in EPA per pass, 45th in EPA per rush. TCU should be able to move the ball on these guys. They should be able to move the ball against West Virginia, too. I, I mean, that's... that's I, did, I understand. Okay, they did They did move the ball against... Yes, okay. And I understand turnovers don't... I, I get it. I'm just saying... It, it, I, I don't know. I don't want to be Mr. Depressing Guy. I, and we can talk all we want about avenues to, for TCU to exploit. And there are avenues for TCU to exploit. And I don't want to get too um, reductive here. I, I just – I know the numbers are good. I lack a little bit of faith that TCU will exploit the areas where it can exploit. I'm, I'm trying to be diplomatic oh, here. Oh, I, I – yeah, I have no faith in them being able to – yes. I, mean, nope. I, I, I just I, – I know – I'm not arguing with your numbers. I know they add up. And I know I'm sounding like a broken record and winding and everything. It's just, man alive, it's hard to – I don't see TCU, you know, sort of running rampant against Kansas State. Even even if no, it's set up well no. for them to do so. And I understand, okay, you know, TCU, or Kansas State's better uh, with run defense than they are pass defense, and TCU's better running the ball than they are passing. But TCU has the skill in the passing game to, to make waves, even if Quentin did drop a couple of balls against West Virginia, they can do it. Um, I just don't think they will. Yeah. That, that's really what it comes down to is like, I just, yeah, there's motivation. Whatever. Grant, how many teams in the big 12 would trade their best receiver and their best running back for Quentin Johnson and Zach Evans? Six. Yeah. I was going to say six or seven, like very yeah. easily. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying uh, to think, cause I don't think Oklahoma wouldn't, Texas wouldn't. Texas wouldn't only because it's Bijan. Right, like, right. They want. They would love they to would have love Quentin, QJ. but yeah, they like because you could it's have like buddy, Bijan but... and QJ. Yeah. Honestly, I think they would because Bijan versus Evans is like a push for me, and so True. they would have. Yeah, they'd have an advantage. Yeah, so maybe uh, they would. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe I'm saying seven or eight. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's nice to have. I don't think Iowa State would. They, I think they. Yeah, I think, think Hudson is good and yeah. Brees Hall's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, you don't think Brees Hall's good. Um. Well, I think their system is good, and Brees Hall's good enough. I don't know. I I would take Brees. I would take Zach Evans over Brees Hall. Yeah, I would too. Um. 
in NFL street where you can bounce off the walls and do all that. But you know, it's a different story. Um, let's talk about, did I apologize for how bad this podcast was going to be? already? <laughs> Parker also said last week, he's never played PlayStation. So I don't understand how he knows NFL street too, but I know. I don't know. You just know. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about the D. Let's talk. You got anything else in no, Kansas State no, defense? No, no. Go ahead. We'll go to the offense. I think this is the most important thing, right? Like the Kansas State defense is like TCU has to score every possession or they're going to lose. That's yeah. that's where yeah, we're at much. right now. Yeah. And I think they can. I don't know. Um, let's talk about the Kansas State offense. They're 28th in EPA per play. They're 13th in success rate. 29th against the pass. 14th against the rush. 29th in EPA per pass, which is important and 45th in EPA per rush. So what that means, Grant, is that they're not super efficient in the pass, but they're super um, effective. Like they're, 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 they're popping off a couple of explosive plays. They're timely in their passing game. And I think that's important because like they have two guys in Sebastian Taylor who just got his, um, I think his first catch like last week. Yeah. Uh, and Malik Knowles who are very good uh, kind of on the outside, but a lot of their passing really runs through Deuce Vaughn, who is not a running back. He's a receiver. He leads the team in targets with 41, 10.1 yards per reception. Um, and so their passing offense is very timely. If it's um, not explosive, their EPA, their rushing is not as good overall. They're more efficient with the rush. They're kind of getting yards, but they're not really breaking off big runs with the rush there. Yeah, and you mentioned timely passing. Kansas State is very much willing to play the, um, I don't know, check down, but you know, kind of keep it simple underneath uh, and then hit you when you're not expecting it over the middle. Parker, uh, Skylar Thompson has attempted 40 passes over the middle from 0 to 10 yards. He's attempted, I think my math's right, 35, 37, uh, over 10 yards in total. Um, so he is living over the middle of the field in that short range, and, and he's good over it. He's 30 or 40. Um, he's not, uh, he, he just has the ability to sort of, hey, take what the defense gives to you and then make the throws when he needs to. Um, he's 4-4 four four for 148 yards, throwing 20 yards down the field to his right. Uh, he he, he kind of knows what he is, and, and there's, there's a simplicity in that. That's something that I think Kansas State does really well is playing to uh, Skylar Thompson's strengths. Absolutely. And and I think they're really good at getting the ball in the middle of the field and kind of targeting people well, which again, uh, you know, TCU's, um, shall I say, less than ideal communication between their safeties and their linebackers makes that middle of the field a little less daunting for opponents. And so it'll be interesting to see if, if Kansas State can't conjure up some of that Deuce Vaughn magic, just knowing that they'll be able to... Um, kind of exploit some holes in the defense there. One 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 guy I think that really changes the equation here, if he's healthy and 100%, and it looks like he is, is um, Danny I, the tight end. Yeah. You know, he's he's a little bit bigger than Pro Wells. You know, last year for TCU, Pro Wells was playing that kind of Y flex tight end. He's playing that flex tight end role, and, and he's really effective. And I think that TCU is going to be really keyed in on Deuce Vaughn. And that makes me very worried about the fact that 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 somebody like Danny I lining up at the Y could one be a very effective run blocker for kind of the outside run, but two, I think that he'll be a guy who could get the ball in space, uh, not in space, in conflict in the middle, and kind of create some uh, some nonsense there. 
Yeah, and I think that's the key for any team playing TCU is can you create confusion over the middle of the field? Pretty simple. And I think Kansas State can do that. I mean, and yeah. that's really what their offense is based on. Um, and, and they use Deuce Vaughn so well. I, I mean, we, we talked about it before the year. And I know this film on Deuce. I know, you know, what he's at some level a product of the system. But he's so good in that system. And they rely on him so much that they're going to find ways for, uh, for him to make a defender make the wrong decision. And so I, I think you're right. I think it's Danny I, and I, I think it's it's uh, Deuce Vaughn that are going to create the most. Like, if you see a receiver wide open for Kansas State where it's like, oh, wow, that was busted coverage, it's, I, my bet would be that it's one of those two guys. Yeah, just because, like, I mean, Malik Knowles is good, right? Like, 29 targets, yeah, 12.6 yards per completion. Um, but I'm not really excited about, like, Philip Weber or uh, – Philip Brooks, sorry, or Landry Weber. And so I – I wonder how, one, this Kansas State team has gotten a little more healthy, Khalil Duke aside, every week. And so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how they can kind of um, exploit this TCU defense overall. Looking at some uh, of the bigger picture stats, they're, they're not getting quality possessions at a very good rate. Grant, they're 57th in the nation. Granted, TCU is 123rd on uh, defense. They are uh, 4.8, though. They're, they're scoring, uh, excuse me, I didn't say that well. 4.8 points per quality possession. That's 29th in the nation. They are scoring touchdowns when they get a quality possession. And so I think that combination of like their finishing ability plus TCU's proclivity for the big play should be very nerve wracking. Um, also, they're 13th and third and fourth down success in the nation at uh, at 50% even. TCU's defense, 78th. So this looks to be basically a game where Kansas State will try to extend drives by kind of this plotting efficiency and hope they'll break off a big play. And that is kind of a recipe for disaster for TCU. Cause I feel like the more, the more plays in a row you ask TCU's defense to make, the more likely it is that something goes wrong. Yeah. I mean, I joked in the past that um, TCU runs like a, a break, but don't bend defense in, in, in years previous <laughs> where they were good at kind of stopping those, you know, slower offenses or whatever. But now it yeah. is most more, Ben, but don't break. And then if you do get him to break, oh, buddy, um, it, it, it is wide open. They're both bending and breaking. It's uh, it's not what you want. No. I would I would grant, if I were a football coach, I would just run the don't break and don't bend offense. Right, right. I would run, what's the, what's the least? Or defense, rather. What's the least? Duck- Georgia. Yeah. I, I would, <laughs> I would take all of Georgia's players and I would say, do what you're doing over there and do it on my team. I was trying to think what the yeah. what the least ductile metal is, and I can't remember. I don't know what ductile means. I'm a I'm a doctor, not okay. a physicist, right. man. Uh, um, yeah, no, I don't know. Right. I, I think let's. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Please elaborate. I was going to say if you don't have anything else, but no. clearly you had something else. So <laughs> I was just going to say I, I Kansas State's offense always kind of amazes me because they don't have guys that. I'm not trying to be mean. Don't have guys that normally play on the next level, but they have such. Like college players, like oh, remember that guy. Like Kansas State is full of a lot of remember that guy players, and uh, yes. Alex Delton so would if, have been one certain... had he not came to TCU. Um, if D- Darren Sproles didn't find his niche in the NFL, he would have been that guy. And like Deuce Vaughn, Skyler Thompson, those are going to be remember that guy in five years yeah. from now. I think Deuce will have a have an NFL career, but Skyler Thompson definitely. 
Um, Kansas State is definitely, if a certain TMZ-style college football account were to say, name a random college football player, I feel like Kansas State football has a lot of guys that would be very rewarding to, to retweet. Parker, do you remember Colin Klein? I do. Do you know that he and Jake Waters are actually the same person, just with a mustache? Remember Jake Waters? Oh, we need to do a rewatch of that game so I can feel happiness again. Uh, You're like, aren't you? Uh, aren't you? Weren't you here for like six years before that? No, I'm totally different guy. He's like, it's a mustache. He's he's Vincent Adult Man uh, from BoJack. Just stack uh, yeah, that I mean that's Kansas oh State. It, it's 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 this game is going to be what you expect it's going to be, listener. It, it yeah. is, and I we're not like we're not like mailing it in. No, we're like, like we're doing the facts or whatever. It's just like TCU. Here's the thing: like last week, TCU absolutely should win this yes. game. They are more yeah. talented at every spot, um, and if they're not ready, and if their offensive line can't execute, and their defense is bad against rushing, they'll lose. Like that's just that's the story for the rest of the every game for the rest of the year is yeah. like TCU except, theoretically should except, win every except, game for the rest of the year. Except probably Oklahoma state. That's the theme for the rest of the year. Yes. Well, I, I even think TCU is more talented than them. I think TCU's offense is better than them. And so if the defense continues to be a nothing burger, yeah, they're, they're going to lose. But like theoretically ex ante, even before like the last couple of weeks, like going into the season, these are all games TCU should win this year. Tabula rasa. I just wanted to throw out a Latin phrase. You, you threw one out. Um. Yeah. No. I, I. I know. I know. It's very frustrating watching TCU play Kansas State. It wins. The last time TCU blew out Kansas State was that that game we rewatched in the spring. And since then, it's either been like a super close win that feels dumb, or Kansas State just beats them. Let's let's do this real quick, real time. Let's just do a wins of PBA oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. see. We should have. We actually we shouldn't have. We never do this. Um. Oh, I didn't type in Wikipedia. Hold on. Uh, okay, so we have full games list. Dude, my Wi-Fi is being a dick right now. There we go. Okay, uh, full games list page. All right, so one score in 2020, TCU lost. One score in 2019, TCU lost. One point in 2018. So 26-10 in 2017 is the last year TCU blew out Kansas State. But then the year before that, 2016, it was 6-30 to 30, uh, oh boy. <laughs> Kansas yeah. State. Yeah, yeah. So there's been game. like two blowouts. The last three years, it's been it's been one score either way. Arguably, uh, so 2019, TCU had a dumb punt thing. And then, and then in 2020, they had the stupid Will Howard run. So like arguably, TCU should have won all three of those games and something stupid happened. So I think TCU's best chance is – Something stupid doesn't happen. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, if this is a normal game, TCU can win it. If something stupid happens, I guarantee you TCU will not win it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's do, uh, before we do best case, worst case, let's hear some predictions. Um, can I flag one real quick that I like just because right. I wanted to read it? Oh, please. You start. That's great. No, no, no. Uh, well, well, I sh- Just like always, whatever you want. When I wanted to see Stomp and you wanted to see Wicked, what do we see? <laughs> I hate you so much. Hold on. Now i got to freaking find it because I know I, I've liked it. i got to get on my likes. Um, You're not even prepared. Sh- go, go, okay, read some predictions. Read some predictions. This is a serious podcast. Guys, right, I, I also... Scott Wildcat. I also... Go uh, ahead. I should, uh, I should just say, my dog is being... 
a complete nuisance at the moment. It is unreal. Okay, yeah. Max is being an animal. Shout out, we'll shout out Scott Wildcat. Go ahead, go ahead. What do you got? Scott Wildcat. Uh, he, one, I, I did the little monologue for Bosco's voice. Um, he asked if, if me or Grant wanted to do it, and selfishly, I was like, nah, I, I like Scott. I'll do it. So, uh, so check out their podcast to get a good preview for K-State, uh, from the K-State side of things. He says, I'll get called out by someone for trying to watch the end of a game on my phone during the end of a wedding ceremony. So, um, God bless you, Scott. Ban fall weddings. Don't don't schedule your wedding for the fall. Don't don't do it. Nah, do whatever you want. Just don't do it. The, the uh the one I wanted to read was Tommy at TRF fifty one because this one like I kind of put my phone down and stared into space for a bit after he sent it. I would love. Oh, this is existential. Yeah, yeah, I would love for the guys to go out and get a win, but I'm not sure that would be the best thing for the program. I know we can turn it around, but I think we get an L thirty six twenty one. When. Fans of the program are wondering if winning is the best thing for the program and not unjustifiably. You know, something is rotten in Denmark. Yeah, it's not great. Um, Shout out to Mick Walt, who says, based on his visit a few years ago, every K-State person in the stadium would be super nice. Um, I love that. I do like, honestly, as much as I, you know, want to be rivals with people, Kansas State or Manhattan and then Oklahoma State, Stillwater. Great people, great places. Like, very yep. fun to go see a game there. Um, Cody says Kansas State 40, TCU 30. I just like that extremely. Um, Will Brasher, a friend of the pod, relative of the pod? I don't know. Relative of the pod. Um, relative of the pod says Purple Home Team 31, Purple Away Team 28. I wouldn't have read that one out loud, Will. If I had read it beforehand, I, 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 I saw it and forgot who was home and who's away. So I was pretty happy about it. But yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, Jack's dad says, I know Kansas State will have their best offensive performance to date, just like everyone else does when they play TCU. <laughs> uh, but then he goes on to predict TCU 37 31. Interesting. I'll Interesting. take it. Uh, Mark Tentinger, friend of the program, a glimmer of hope in the first quarter, followed by heavy bourbon consumption. I don't know why that would follow and not proceed, but sure, um, we'll take it. Yeah. Um, Mark Roberts, friend, friend of the podcast, just has the Chris Chris Farley gif going, uh, no idea, which I <laughs> empathize with deeply. Yeah. Um, Blake Morris, I've got the cats, 38-24. Zach Rupert says, I have TCU plus three and a half, so 28-27. Let me tell you, Zach, you're not going to get rich betting on TCU this no, year. not a chance. Uh Lance Jewett, friend of the pod, Frogs 21, 17 cats. Game looks even worse than the score. Yeah, I could see it. Look, there are a couple more, but I think I'm ending on this. Honestly, my dad, my (laughs) own dad said, email all the way, 24 K-State, and that seven is a defensive touchdown. I believe that's my father successfully trolling me on Twitter. Thank you, Mr. Fleming. Very cool. Uh, <laughs> Tag um, oh, yeah. uh, I hate it. I uh, hate it so much. All right, Grant, what's your worst case scenario? Let's end on best case. What's your worst case scenario? Um, that can't, uh, well, 20, 24-7. Now I'm thinking about 24-7. Um, but I, I'd say worst case is probably 27-14. I look a lot like the West Virginia game and, and just turnovers. Cost the uh, cost yeah. TCU. Yeah, like TCU in the in the in the teens. Um, 
I don't mean to co-op, but TCU in the teens on offense, I don't care what Kansas State does on, on offense, but like TCU in the teens on offense feels like the worst case scenario to me. Yeah, honestly, because they shouldn't be in the teens. They should be in the, you know, I mean, especially against this defense that has allowed teams to succeed even when they normally don't. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Okay. Best case. I don't want to dwell on that. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Uh, best case. Best case. Okay. okay. Here's the thing. Deuce Vaughn is a known commodity. Kansas State's offensive line is not talented. They're experienced. Is this the game where TCU finds itself and says, we know exactly what's coming? Don't do this. Don't it's do this. best case scenario, Grant. Let me live in my... Look, I live in a fantasy. How many life. times in the last... Um, how many times this season have I said, is this the game where? What is best case scenario for, if not naivete? All right, what's your score? Um, I want to go to a place where rainbows never die, Grant. The best case scenario is TCU... 37, Kansas State, 14. I'll temper those expectations just a bit. Give me a, give me TCU, 31, Kansas State, 20. Uh, that's, that's not a prediction. That's a best-case scenario. I know. Oh, my gosh. All right, you're way – how are you more black-pilled than I am? Good Lord. Um, okay, what's your actual prediction? You're not going to like it. 24-20 Kansas State. Oh, interesting. Okay, four, four Bosco's boys actually said 27-24 Kansas State. Okay. I think TCU covers but loses. I'm not optimistic here at all. Man, I just... I yeah. Do we want to roll into the segment I proposed? Because this is going to address some of these. So... I know well, we don't want to live life. Can you can you monologue? I'm going to grab a beer. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So Parker and I talked about this beforehand. So we're tired of talking about how, like how bad TCU is, and especially like a lot of the off the field issues, um, and especially because we think we say the same things over and over again. So Parker had the great idea of tweeting out, um, "Hey, like you know what?" And he specifically said I was going to answer them with I thought was a little harsh, but. Uh, tweeted, if you have any pr- questions about the state of TCU's program, drop them here and we'll answer them. Uh, and I think this is going to kind of help us get some, I, I guess, ways to sort of restate things in a different way or look at problems that we hadn't uh, thought about addressing yet. Um, so we got some good responses and we'll pick out the, you know, the ones that will kind of lead to good conversations here. Um, I, I like this one. Parker, are you back? I let me pull up Zoom. Have you got your, okay, you got your beer, you're good. I'm here. Uh, this is from... You can see me on the video. You well, do. I'm reading tweets. Uh, boy, I said that in a tone I never want to say ever again. Uh, this is from Gerald Goodridge, at GH Goodridge. What should Gary Patterson's legacy be? Okay, can I just point out? We're, we're just doing this on the podcast. I like Gerald. We've been on a podcast together. Gerald made a bunch of sweaty Gary Patterson jokes in his preview of Texas TCU, and I was very unimpressed with that. Um, I think there's a lot more jokes to be made about TCU and you don't have to make multiple ones about the same thing. That's all I have to say. Okay. Well, um, consider yourself called his out. Legacy, his legacy, uh, what should, should is a weird question. So what his legacy should be is that he is one of the best program builders in the history of college football and yep. one of the best defensive minds yep. in the history of college football. Almost nobody 
running defense today has not been influenced by the way that Gary Patterson does things on defense. That's that's not that's not a, that's not hyperbole. That's that is a fact. People, you know, there's different schools and people learn things. Everyone's been influenced by what he's doing because he's been around for so long and he's been so innovative from day one on defense. So that's absolutely what his legacy should be. Um, and his legacy should be someone who took TCU from nothing to the top. Absolutely, unequivocally, the top. And yeah, there's been a slide, right? Like there's been a slide recently that happens. Um, but his legacy absolutely... Grant, here's the thing. I don't care if Gary stays for five more years and goes four and eight those next five years. His legacy still should be one of the best program builders in the history of college football and one of the best defensive minds of college football. He's the greatest coach in TCU history, full stop. That's what it is. And and he, like you said, he can do everything he can. Easy. And Dutch, yeah. like, I have great respect for Dutch Meyer. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's easy. Yeah. It's, 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 it's that simple. Um, for whatever the um, off-field I – mean, it's not like he's committed crimes. He's just done some weird off-field things. And for whatever those peccadillos are, they, they don't overshadow – even come close to overshadowing the success and the innovation that he's had on the field. Um, that, that's I, it. I hope that he will not listen to this episode. That's not outside of his prerogative. <laughs> um, it's happened before that he's listened to this episode, but hopefully he's not listening. And if he is, we'll, we'll talk about it. But um, he is someone who constantly wants to prove himself. Yeah. And this season, I think we have seen on display some insecurity about his legacy, whereas he should be so confident and so proud of what he's done. Um, and that should ground going forward. But he's always looking forward and saying, I want more. I want better. I want to be at the top in everyone's mind. And I think that's what we're seeing this season is a lot of um, when things goes wrong, he, he's not as confident in his legacy, in his resume as he should be. That fair? Yeah, that's fair. I, I could say a lot more about it. I, I we're we're already we're running. We have a lot of good questions, but I yeah. I think you made some good points. I, I think, um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, let's see. Uh, PJ England one. How many dozens of athlete Instagram profiles will will, will we be reviewing? Um, that's okay. Thank you. Um, none. 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 I don't. I don't know if you guys were looking at Twitter this morning, but I was saying breathe. Don't freak out about a stupid Instagram thing. Unless they're recruits, in which case I will be looking. Um, general life advice. Don't freak out about an Instagram right, thing. Right. Uh, the 1012 Network, our friends over there, asked, what are the three most important off-season changes for Gary to make to lead to success? Uh, man, it's going to take a lot of wholesale stuff. I, I, I think we talked about how much the program could be benefited by Gary taking a step back into the CEO role. Um, that's sort of the one overarching change that I think will lead to a lot of improvements. I also, I mean, I'll go ahead and say it. A change needs to be made at offensive line coach. Um, that's one pretty much off the bump. And raid the transfer portal for good cornerbacks. I mean, those are three easy ones. I could probably list 10, but those three off the, off the top. Yeah, I, I did this in the monologue on, on Sunday, so I won't go deep into it. But offensive staff is fired and you hire out of network. You promote Paul Gonzalez to defensive coordinator. You stop calling plays. Um, and you develop a recruiting strategy that involves more than, um, yeah, you just develop. Hoping, yeah, you, you develop a yeah. recruiting strategy. Yes, although I will say more than the best player that will come that will come to our program. Can I say yeah. this too? Yeah. I I'm going to give Gary credit for one more thing while we trash him. Um, his uh, pilfering of a couple of good Louisiana players, I really liked. 
he has built sort of a pipeline yeah. into like Alexandria, that area. Um, he's done a good job. Uh, Absolutely, and and this isn't sorry. So, so we're not like we're not like bad talking. I'm like, no, I'm just, we're being we're realistic. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, let's see. I'm trying to pick out other good ones. Um, okay, I like this one, and we kind of got a couple questions like this. This is the first one I saw from Ryan Haddock at Mister Haddock's. What do you imagine the breaking point to be? And I think there's another question from Taylor York. What does TC rock bottom look like? And, and we'll kind of meld those into one. Um, but is there like a definite breaking point you can imagine? I think that if he, um, so this is not the way I would have wanted it to happen, but he did relent on the Jerry kill stuff. Yeah. It was later than I wanted it to be, but he, he stopped talking about it. Right. So like, very clearly, he was just trying to drum up some like, hey, we've got a chip on our shoulder or whatever, and and went too far with it. And as soon as he realized he went too far with it, he dropped it. Um, I wish he hadn't gone too far, but he had dropped it. If we had heard about that again, that to me would have been like, dude, that is not the kind of shit that we do. Um, if if Zach Evans had, in fact, transferred this morning after have been, <laughs> having been at practice right, right, yesterday... Right. <laughs> That would be a breaking point. Um, uh, okay, yeah, I, I agree. Um, okay, let's go to a couple more um, from Matt, Matt Jennings, I think, a blogger, I'm not sure, um, asks, who do you think you are and what gives you the right? Um, I don't know who I am and I have no right. Um, My response to Matt Jennings is, what's it like living in your mom's basement? <laughs> this one I like from uh, our, our friend and former uh, guest star, Mason Shreen. Describe TCU football's current state with a Sturgill Simpson song title. I have two, and they're both from Sound and Fury. Um, make art not friends should, I think, be Gary's strategy going forward. Um, and that, hey, we're here to make a good football team, but we are not here to play throw away with our friends um, on our coaching staff. And then uh, the other one would be... Um, I, I, well, I was going to say remember remember to breathe because I think at this point we're all taking this a little bit too seriously. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, Make Art Not Friends. There's a song on Metamodern Sounds and country music that's called Just Let Go. Yeah, I was going to pick that one too. Uh, there's another <laughs> one called Life of Sin, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, that's different. It's, that's that's different. different. It's completely different. Um, uh, Tommy TRF, one we mentioned earlier, asked a couple questions about why are our interior D linemen so small? Um, and why don't we throw the ball in any of our tight ends? I can answer that. It's because we don't start the big defensive linemen and we don't recruit tight end well. So there you go. Um, but we also, no, no, no. So, so, so um, not, no, 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 sorry. Yes. What you said was correct. Um, our interior defensive linemen are so small because we haven't recruited them well and we don't know how to develop them well. Um, Ross Blacklock was a, a freak and kind of a fluke. Uh, TCU has not had good interior defensive linemen as of late, generally, and mostly TCU's lack of interior defensive linemen has been covered by excellent safeties and linebackers who can kind of fit in the run game. That's been a problem for a while. They haven't had two guys in the in the defensive line. When Grant and I talk about a hate and ass defensive lineman, that's specifically what we mean. Um, and then talking about throwing to tight ends. Well, Carter Ware caught a touchdown pass, so 
Um, so yeah, we, so eat it, losers. So so suck it. No, but but generally, TCU's offense, despite not being an air raid offense, is an offense that is grounded in the air raid. And the air raid mostly involves route concepts that aren't exactly conducive to a tight end. This year specifically, the reason that no tight ends are involved is is that, but also that TCU's offensive line is incapable of winning five-man protection. So tackle guard, center, tackle guard, that's five men. They have to keep somebody else in. And because Zach Evans as a check down is so valuable, what they've been doing is keeping whoever, whatever tight end. I know Carter Ware's been hurt. Shout out to Carter Ware, friend of the podcast. Um, wh- whoever, whatever tight end is there, they're actually keeping him in as an extra blocker. And the reason they don't line him up on the on the line necessarily is because when he's kind of playing that sniffer position where he's right behind the tackle, he's a little bit more flexible to, to pick up where the offensive line missed. So um, two, two answers there. One, tight end, not super important in the air raid. Two, tight end has to be kind of this flexible blocker because TCU's offensive line is so bad. Yeah, which again goes back to the, one of the things we can fix in the offseason. Or we, if we were leading the TCU football program. Uh, Parker, do you have any other questions you want to pick out or do you want to take a look at some Big 12 games real quick? Let's look at Big 12 games because some of these, so like Hornfrog86 who, who interacts a bunch and want to give him a shout out. What is necessary to fix the defense? A couple Recru- years and some interior defensive line. Yeah, like it's, it's it, fine, right. That so TCU has been bit by the injury bug this year. Um, hmm. Well, that's probably something else we could look at because it seems to be a trend. But that, okay, yeah, yeah. No, I know, but we're saying the same thing. Um, the other thing is too. I, that, that wraps into another question where someone says, "Who who do you think is the heir to TCU football?" Yeah. This off season, if things continue on this pace, I'll do a list. We'll do a whole podcast. We'll talk about it in in depth. Right now, Gary Patterson is going to be TCU's head coach for 22 and probably 23 and probably 24. Yeah. Um, And so we're not going to talk about it. If if things change, we'll do a whole podcast. You'll be the first to know. Yeah. The other issue, too, is that I think, um, and this is probably just more of an endemic problem by TCU being a smaller school and not one of the big powerhouses, but it's hard to build depth. Uh, especially in, like in the in the defensive secondary, and so when someone goes down, um, those holes are, are are pretty obvious because there's no capable or, or you know as you said earlier like above the Mendoza line replacement level player for them. So um, right. it's going to take building right. depth and just kind of getting injury luck, which TC has not had this year. Um, Sh- shout out to Sonny Misi. Like it would be the oh, joy yeah. of my life if out of high school I could have been Sonny Misi. He's not a D one player, but like God bless him. God bless him, um, Parker. At 11 o'clock, Baylor, I have them as a three-point favorite over Texas at home. I, I liked a lot better at two and a half. Uh, I like, yeah, Texas at two and a half. I don't know that I'm putting a bet on either side here. I've got this pretty close. I think it comes down to whether Texas can figure out a way to get Bijan Robinson the ball. Yeah, well, they'll do their damnedest to try. Um, I will take Baylor there. Um, Iowa State, seven-point favorite at West Virginia. Give me Iowa State. I have that almost 14. Yeah, give yeah, me Iowa State. Yeah. Oklahoma's a 19.5 point favorite hosting Texas Tech. Oklahoma, that, so I was on the golf course How? in uh, Temecula, California on Saturday, making the turn and just happened to check my phone and saw Kansas was up 10 to nothing on Oklahoma and about had a heart attack. Now, that game ended the way we all knew it was going to, but still. 
Have you seen the depth chart for Oklahoma this year? Or this week? No, I I haven't. Grant. It says Spencer Rattler or Caleb Williams. Last two weeks, it's been Caleb Williams by himself at the top. That is very fun. I know. Oklahoma's secondary is very bad. Texas Tech can move the ball. We got a we, we got a quarterback controversy in Norman, man. Nineteen and a half is a big spread, but the over is sixty six and a half. So if you're interested in, in making an investment, that would be a potential go over. Yeah, uh, Kansas State is a three point favorite at home against TCU, and then Oklahoma State is a thirty and a half point favorite hosting Kansas. I don't. I mean. I don't know if Oklahoma State. Well, I don't think they like can score one, enough. Mike Gundy's a son of a gun, and he's like, "We're going to beat them worse than Oklahoma beat them. We're going to beat them bad." But like, can they score enough? I honestly no. don't know. They'll obviously win, but I think they'll beat them worse than Oklahoma did. But like, I'm not putting any money on them to cover. No, I think their defense is good enough to where like Kansas won't crack ten points. But I don't know if Oklahoma State can score thirty-seven or whatever. Um, yeah, are there any any national yeah, games that that catch your eye before we sign off? Uh, James Franklin, very funny that he talked about he's focusing on Illinois and then he's focusing on a trip to the big house when they're actually playing Ohio State this weekend. Very funny. He is very clearly going to take a job elsewhere (laughs) after this uh, season. Um, Yeah, I'm watching Michigan. Michigan State's fun just because that's kind of an eliminated match. Two undefeated teams. You don't get that late in the season. Uh, Don't sleep on SMU Houston. Houston lost to Texas Tech. Largely because of an uncalled offensive pass interference. Um, Houston's got it humming, man. Yeah, And so this will be a really good uh, P5 game uh, overall there. Uh, What else am I looking at? Generally, I don't know. This is a better slate than last week. Fresno State, San Diego State. That's the the G5 game of the week, though. Um, That one's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know that I have a strong lean either way. I think the line is 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 just one, like San Diego State minus one, and so technically I have them covering that. But but uh, I think Fresno State's kind of nasty, man. They're very nasty. They're nasty. San Diego State's still undefeated, right? I believe so. I Fresno State is so weird because they're so fun, but man, do they have so many clear like, dude, you are hanging on by the skin of your teeth. It it, it is Casey Jones at the the head of that rail car. And we're just going to see if we get there or not. Look, man, don't lose your speed. That's all that matters. Uh, also, what's funny is we talked about Carson Strong a bunch at the beginning of the season, Nevada's quarterback. And Jake Hayner, the Fresno State quarterback, yeah. is basically the same as He's Carson like if Carson Strong, Strong was like on psychedelics, it's basically that guy. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah work. you're Fresno. <laughs> you know, this gets weird out there. Um, Grant. This has Woo! been the worst edition of the Purple Three <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I think you're about to go into it. That's why it's really uh, No, funny. I know. <laughs> um, this has been the Purple Theory podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. You can find me on Twitter at StatsOWar. If you're bored at work tomorrow at 11 o'clock Central, make sure you find me on the BetUS College Football Show. We have a lot of fun over there. You can follow Grant on Twitter at Grant McGalliard, spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. Um, on Friday afternoon at 3.30, uh, Grant, I haven't talked to you about this. I'm springing this on you. Scott Wildcat, um, the Kansas State uh, villain, and I are going to do a Twitter space where we're just going to chat about the game, 
and uh, Grant, you should hop in on that if you're if you're free. Um, so make sure you guys are around for that. Other than that, Grant and I will be around. We'll be back here on Sunday to, uh, honestly, I assume commiserate about how awful it is to lose to Kansas State for a fourth time in a row. But um, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll, we'll generally see what happens. Um, Grant, go Frogs. Go Braves. <laughs>